Today I'm talking to Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle, author of Christmas Joy with Grandma, a new children's book that helps to both share the spirit of Christmas and share the story of Christmas with your family. Donna, thanks for being with me today. Hey, thank you so much, Chris. It's always a blessing. Thank you for having me. What inspired you to create this book? Well, it's a big question, I think, <laughs> right from the start. Well, first and foremost, I have to say God. You know, I really felt our Lord um, inspiring me, you know, and I wanted to create a story uh, to help children, young and old, to discover or maybe even rediscover mm-hmm. the beautiful season of Advent, too, not just Christmas, you know, Advent, which has that twofold meaning mm-hmm. to get ready for the Christ child, but also to get ready you know, for the second coming of Christ. Some of us forget that other, you know, meaning there, but, um, you know, to get our lives in order. So, of course, I wanted to tell the Christmas story, but also, you know, about the season of Advent. So um, it's pretty amazing, Chris. I'm sure you've experienced this kind of thing because you write as well. But, you know, as I wrote and, uh, you know, wrote this story, I set Mm -hmm. out to do a certain thing, right? And then I'm praying and as it unfolds and the beautiful family of characters develop and they kind of really come alive, I ended up adding things to this story that I hadn't even thought about before before I began to write the book. So it's pretty interesting how that happens. Mm-hmm. And then I started, you know, and I started to see the story of the nativity of Jesus through the eyes of a child. That happens in the story, as you, I'm sure you remember, you know, as the grandmother tells the, you know, reads from the Bible and she's mm-hmm. telling the children and, and they're talking about it, how they are excited about it, and things like that. But other things I, I did as I wrote it, um, I didn't plan to do. I don't know if we want to talk about that or not, or surprise the readers, you know, let the reader be surprised. Or... We certainly, yeah, we can talk about I think it's best to just feel, our our readers are not likely to be listening to the podcast, oh, I think. True. I think <laughs> the, <true>. the, <laughs> the people who are going to be reading this to the readers will be listening to the podcast. That's true, that's true, very true. That's right, It'll be the, it's the first one we've done when the readers themselves aren't going to be listening to this podcast necessarily. Well, I'll just mention a couple of little things that were very interesting as I was writing the book, um, because book writing is a wonderful mm-hmm. journey. You know, it's a great journey for the author as well as you know, the reader. Um, you know, the making of the Advent cookies with the children as, as they uh, visited their grandmother. You know, mm-hmm. she was trying to stress to them the importance of, you know, uh, pausing and taking our time, you know, with decorations. And let's just wait a little. We don't have to be like all the neighbors that have everything decorated the day after Thanksgiving. Let's just take our time and, and light the, you know, the wreath, the Advent candles on the wreath and, and decorate slowly. So she started to make cookies with them, too, on their visits, you know. And so then she all of a sudden said, these will be our Advent cookies, you know, mm-hmm. and I... I hadn't thought about that until I had read, the, I mean, until I started reading the yeah. book. I mean, writing the book, <laughs> I said reading. And then um, we even put uh, my own recipe at the end of the book, a healthy mm-hmm. cookie recipe. So I'm hoping that could be kind of a tradition for families to, you know, think about Advent, too, before Christmas and even make some special cookies and spend time with the family, older relatives, maybe mm-hmm. the grandmother can do something special with the kids. And then the characters, like, for instance, um, the grandmother is really a combination of my own grandmother and me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, it's like I, so as I'm writing, I'm thinking of her. I'm also thinking of myself being a grandmother. 
And the grandchildren really represent um, my own grandchildren, though I don't have a granddaughter yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I know the story begged for a girl and a boy. So that's why there's the five-year-old Anne-Marie and mm-hmm. the seven-year-old Joseph. And, you know, the father, the grandfather, he's mentioned in this story, even though he's not there, because he already passed on to his eternal reward. Now, that would be like my grandfather, whom I never met. Um, and uh, I wasn't planning on talking about that when I was writing the book. And it's pretty interesting, because as the story developed, mm-hmm. we see that the grandmother and the grandfather together created something very beautiful. And that is their nativity scene, mm-hmm. where... They actually, the grandfather actually carved it out of wood, and the grandmother actually um, painted it. So, so let me pause you right there, and and let's focus on that a bit. That that is at the heart of this whole story. Tell us a little bit about that tradition of the manger and the the nativity scene. Yes, because um, it's quite amazing. You know, we learned that the earliest representations of the nativity, you know, they could be seen in some frescoes maybe back in the uh, the second century, and then they became a major subject of Christian art mm-hmm. since the fourth century. So down through the centuries, um, you know, we see it in art. Mm-hmm. and But then um, the, the crash, you know, mm-hmm. in the nativity scene, uh, well, actually, St. Francis of Assisi is credited with staging the first nativity scene in 1223. Mm-hmm. And we learn that from St. Bonaventure, in his book, The Life of St. Francis of Assisi. Mm-hmm. And St. Bonaventure was a Franciscan monk, he, and he was born five years before St. Francis's death. And according to him, St. Francis got permission from Pope Honorarius mm-hmm. III and set up a manger with hay and two live animals, and he had an ox and a donkey, and did this in a cave in a little Italian village. So the villagers would... Um, they were invited to see the scene, and then St. Francis preached about what he called the Babe of Bethlehem. Hmm. And it's pretty fascinating because, um, according to St. Bonaventure, St. Francis was so overcome with emotion mm-hmm. when, he was telling, when he was telling about this, he was just so overcome. He couldn't even get the word Jesus out because he was so in love with Jesus, and you know, he just called him the Babe of Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. So um, another thing that St. Bonaventure claimed was that the hay, the actual bales of hay that St. Francis used in his scene were miraculously, um, they they somehow, I mean, I shouldn't say somehow, but he says they miraculously acquired the power to cure local cattle hmm. disease. So, we, you know, we don't know for certain, mm-hmm. but this is something he said, and he's a saint, so... I yeah. want to believe that that was true. It was pretty amazing. And this was during a time when uh, plays were very popular for mm-hmm. entertainment in Europe. And so the churches sometimes had these kind of plays or in the town squares, uh, like a reenactment of Bible stories. Mm-hmm. So St. Francis used that same form of plays because he wanted to engage the people and help them to understand Christianity. So mm-hmm. he actually put together the first live nativity scene. And then it became very popular down through the ages and spread all throughout Europe and then throughout the world. And, and um, you know, it takes its cues from religious art, but also from Scripture. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then the children these days, I think the children perform at Christmas time. Um, they do these uh, kind of uh, 
what they do kind of stems from those what they call miracle plays of the Middle Ages, you know, mm-hmm. so the Christmas pageants and the, those wonderful things to watch the children do um, stem from that era. Mm-hmm. That's great. It's a great rundown and, and an incredible history. It's so funny because yeah. we think of St. Francis of Assisi just as kind of the little poor man or lover of animals <laughs> and all that. And I think yeah. a lot of people have no idea that he is also kind of a director of one of the most successful and long-running dramas in history. I love that, the way you say that. Plus, what an amazing preacher, too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. catechist. And I think there's there's some there's some important modeling there of, you know, he didn't just sit the kids down and we're going to... We're going to talk at you about this. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. made a story. Exactly. Uh, he made art. He made he made something that drew them in and and helped them go back at that point. What thirteen hundred years to Christ's birth? Yes, yes. He retold the story in such a vivid way and a tangible way. You mm-hmm. know, in a way that people could relate to. And then down through the ages, you know, uh, we use this. We have yeah. this tradition. We use these scenes and, um, you know, even just a little scene, a nativity scene can change someone's heart. You never know, like in your home, when we set up these scenes, yeah. nativity scenes in our crushes, and, you know, an outsider might come in, a delivery person or even a neighbor away from the church or with mm-hmm. no faith. Yeah. Uh, and these things can really, really touch the heart. So these displays of our faith, it's really a display of our faith. But yeah. you know, what a what an important part of our faith too, right? Yeah, and and Chesterton had this beautiful image of someone who has once known Christmas will never look at a mother and child the same again. Wow. That for the Christian and for those touched by Christianity, even those outside the faith, but those who have in some sense really known Christmas, um, the, the idea of God will have something of that in a way that no pre-Christian theist and and no post like no one no other religion really does that that seriously or that that deeply well, that I, god and utter weakness are somehow united i've always thought yeah. that was a beautiful image mm, it certainly is it teaches us so much you know we see that scene depicting jesus's birth into the world he, you know god became man and mm-hmm. in, in a little babe yeah. Born of the Virgin Mary, and it's so much at the center of our faith. And what would we do if Jesus was not born to us? Yeah. Well, and gives us hope, I think, that yeah. God isn't just remote. God, you could hold God in your hands mm-hmm. because Mary did. Right. And he's part of a family. You know how important a family is. You know, the first domestic church. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, that's it's so important. To, to turn to the Holy Family, to to learn from the Holy Family. Well, and as you were talking about kind of your inspirations for this book and your inspirations for telling the story, it sounded like for you, for this story, faith and family really were connected and and intertwined, and and that yeah. that you you wouldn't have told this in this way without both influences. That's true. That's true. Because you know, this is a it's actually a book. Of fiction, mm-hmm. but it tells a nonfiction story. Yeah. So, <clears throat> drawing from scripture to tell the Christmas story, and because of my experiences as a mother of five and grandmother of two, and yep. you know, plus just being in my own family growing up and all the experiences there, um, you know, it gives me that 
that desire, um, I think, mm-hmm. that God puts in my heart to, you know, to help touch other families, to teach. God puts that desire for me to teach. Um, yeah. I've been a catechist for over 30 years, and mm-hmm. I just think every, you know, we all we all want to learn. You know, we're, we should be learning until our dying breath. You know, yeah. There's always something new to learn. But it's great to be able to use opportunities to try to teach the faith, and I like to do it with stories, and I like to you know, to touch little children's hearts because it's so important to get to them when they're young to teach, mm-hmm. teach mm-hmm. them these things. So when they, even if they stray away later in life because the world is so hard, they're going to have that foundation, that real strong foundation. Uh, hopefully, by the parents and the grandparents instilling that in them, but they might not have that in their home life. And so yeah. we even, yeah. as a neighbor or a friend, you know, we could be that kind of grandmother image or that. Uh, mother image or father image, you know, we can, uh, so God, God has us, um, wants us to, to share the faith in every way that we can, I think. So talk to me in light of that, and in light of the importance of family and all that, how does the story of Christmas challenge us today and our notions of what's truly important? You know, most people would assume, you see the news, what they focus on is political power or wealth or the pursuit of pleasure, and that's it. How yeah. does Christmas challenge that? Right. Well, we can look at the nativity scene, for one, right? We look at that scene in Bethlehem, and as the angel said, uh, a Savior who is the Messiah, mm-hmm. the Lord, this will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth mm-hmm. and lying in danger. Now, Jesus, our Savior, God made man, was born to the world as a helpless little baby, as we've been you know, touching upon just this helpless <clears throat> little baby. And, you know, the warmth of his mother's body, the breath of the animals um, kept him warm. No frills, no creature comforts, no latest uh, crib designs or all that kind of stuff. Sheer simplicity and, and mm-hmm. poverty, if you will. And so, yes, the world, you know, in a lot of ways pursues power and wealth and pleasure in every way. But Jesus teaches us what is most important. Mm-hmm. You know, to love God and to love our neighbor, to follow the commandments, to do good to others, not to trample over them in our own pursuits. Mm-hmm. So if we can just take the time and, you know, even gaze upon a nativity scene, even uh, ponder the whole Holy Family, maybe even just, you know, uh, even if we're grasping at, at straws and we're losing hope and we're feeling worn out from everything, just to reach up our hearts and say, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, please help me. They will. They will. And they can help us to sort out these these desires and, and goals and things that we might have in our lives and to, to discern and to realize what we really should go after, you know, and certainly not to trample over others in our own pursuits and to that kind of thing, but to really have a heart that goes out to the to the unfortunate and to the people who need to be picked up from the gutter, the people who need to be given a message of hope. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a bit. Of, talk to me a bit about how you've seen that in your own life over the years. I know that you've had that that long time friendship and correspondence with Mother Teresa, for instance. And I I know that you've spoken. It's got to be challenging to be speaking to to faithful Christians so often because I'm sure you've met people you thought, oh, there's a saint had some of those incredible stories or encounters with just random people at conferences. Talk to me about how how the spirit of Christmas has met you kind of at in some of these encounters. Hmm. Well, um, 
I'm still trying to grasp the full um, meaning of your question, but I think, um, like, just in the people that maybe are aspiring for holiness or that are indeed yeah. <laughs> living saints walking among us, which I've been very blessed to have at least a few in my life I consider three real important ones in my life, um, one being Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that sparkle in her eye, that 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 um, amazing love shown through everything that, that she did and, mm-hmm. and that I observed and it only helps you, only um, you just want to aspire to that yourself. I think when you're in the presence of holiness, it's it's stunning. It's stunning. It's peaceful yeah. at the same time. It's like uh, a, a holy build, bewilderment. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, a, it's an amazing experience, and it can't help, I think, it can't help but uh, prod you to be better yourself, to... Yeah aspire for that holiness, to want to do that good that other person is doing. It's an example. It's a holy example. That, and that's what the saints did. I mean, we talked about St. Francis, and you and I talk a lot about um, uh, St. Faustina and um, mm-hmm. many of the other saints, and of course Mother Teresa, um, who just radiated uh, God's love to others, and her heart went out to the unfortunate because that's what Jesus told her to do. And Mm -hmm. in scripture tells us, you know, whatever you do to the least of my brothers, you do to me. So we learn, we learn that so much from, from the saints. And if we don't think we have them in our own lives, we certainly have saints in the making around Mm -hmm. us, especially if we surround ourselves with like-minded faith-filled people so that we can all help each other on this journey through life, you know. But if we don't think we even have that, we, we need to do something about that. You know, get get close to people who could help you, who can inspire your faith, mm-hmm. and also pray to the ones we know um, that our Church tells us are canonized. You know, there are many, many saints in heaven. We don't know, we have no idea what their names are because they're not officially canonized, but they're in heaven, so they're saints. So there's so many there who have gone before us that can pray for us and intercede for us. So the ones here on earth, you know, that we might have the privilege to know can help us and we can help others through their influence and to pray and ask intercession from the ones who have gone before us, you know, marked with that sign of faith, those saints. Yeah. It's such an important truth of the faith. Yeah. Bringing it back specifically to the, the nativity scene, what is your favorite moment or figure in the Christmas story? What most touches your heart each year at Christmas? So that's so hard to answer, Chris, because it's really difficult. Because I love, I really love it all. Yeah. But the holy, you know, I mean, you think about the angels. You think about, uh, you know, announcing Jesus's birth to the shepherds, and you think about the shepherds, and of course the Holy Family. The Holy Family certainly touches my heart. You know, like I said, the first domestic church, there they were there, and wherever they traveled, that's what, you know, that they took, that was, they were the domestic church, that family, you know, so we can meditate on Scripture and on that whole scene and and delve deeper, you know, with time and prayer to Mm -hmm. come to appreciate and learn more, you know, to let God speak to our hearts. Like, Maybe even in a Lexio or or Visio Divina type way, you know, mm-hmm. just to carve out that time, go to church, uh, or if you can't, before the Blessed Sacrament in your own domestic church at home, and take some time, you know, take 15 minutes and, and you know, try to carve it out ahead of time. Some, a lot of times things get in the way, mm-hmm. things get in the way, and 
Uh, we have interruptions, but we could always start again. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, to take the time to actually ponder and meditate with prayer on the on this scene, on you know the birth of Christ, on the Holy Family, and let God speak to our hearts. You know, listen to Him. And you know, another thing I touched upon earlier um, that touches my heart is watching or being involved with children's Christmas pageants. Mm-hmm. You know. I love to teach the kids, and I love to see them get involved, and it really touches the hearts of the audience. I know, I've noticed it brings tears. There's something so special about innocent children, you know, um, just just acting out that that beautiful uh, scene, and you know, in their Christmas mm-hmm. pageants. We've missed we've missed them for a few years with the pandemic, but hopefully and prayerfully, uh, we're going to start seeing them again at our parishes. I always try to go to them, um, to, you know, to, when my kids were little, but also when they grew up, I would still go to the pageants to support the kids. Uh, and it's just a beautiful, um, and it helps us to get our hearts ready. It's yeah. a beautiful experience, and it, it reminds us of, of what we're doing, and mm-hmm. that we're not supposed to be just running around and listening to that advertising frenzy and trying to, you know, get everything all perfect. It's not about perfection. It's about getting our hearts ready mm-hmm. and being loving and loving God and loving others. Okay. I think that that kind of answers some of where I wanted to go next, which was just talking about the lessons we can learn by looking at the Madonna and Child with St. Joseph, you know, gazing on the Holy Family with that sort of contemplative gaze. What are we taught? Yeah, yeah there's just too much there. To mention, like I said, if we meditate upon it, but I think simplicity, simplicity is a very important lesson for us to learn because we live in a world that teaches us to be complicated and mm-hmm. involved in every single thing and overworked, you know, overstimulated and getting into too many things. So let's mm-hmm. try to learn learn a little simplicity, um, obedience, learn about obedience and, and their yeses to God in being that holy family and what that means in our own lives. What where is God calling us to to give our yes, and are we trusting Him with our life and with His with His holy will? You know, fulfilling God's holy will. How important it is for us mm-hmm. to trust Him, because trust is so important, as we've learned from Saint Faustina. You know, and we come to discover a great abiding and holy love and great intercessors. We need to call upon them for help. We definitely need them, especially in the family. So mm-hmm. much, you know, we need in the family. We need the help of the Holy Family, and it's. And it's, um, it, you know, to try to think of the Holy Family and envision them as not just this holy, these holy folks in heaven, but mm-hmm. they're very real and ready to aid us. They're very much with us. They're not just, you know, something that happened all these years ago, and that was beautiful. And the Holy Family is very real and should be real in our lives. Maybe we can tap into that in our prayer life, you know, pray for the graces to delve a little more deeply into what God is trying to speak to us. Mm-hmm. Is it about maybe simplifying some more about our obedience to God's holy will? Um, what do we see when we look at the nativity scene? What do we see with Joseph's quiet, loving gaze and his protection on the family and how he just scooped them up and, you know, fled, fled, in, the, fled in the night to save the holy family? All of the things that they experienced and if we meditate upon them, maybe we will hear our Lord speaking to our own hearts. Mm-hmm. And to and to not forget to ask Saint Joseph, so powerful yeah. in his protection of the Holy Family, and I, I call upon him 
several times a day with my husband and, and on my own to, you know, to protect and to guide. Yep. Um, I, I'm always telling people when they have any trouble at home or with finances or any, uh, especially trouble in the family, to pray a 30-day novena to St. Joseph. I found that to be so powerful. Mm-hmm. And I, I wrote about an experience I had one time, which was pretty amazing, and that really uh, kind of clinched the deal for me. <laughs> My a spiritual director at the time told me about St. Joseph many, many years ago, and um, he told me to pray that novena, and on the 30th day, something really amazing happened. Uh, and so I've been a, you know, a, a promoter of St. Joseph my whole life, practically, because mm-hmm. uh, I know he, he's always there for us. So if he was always there for the Holy Family, and I'm, I'm speaking about him, but think about Mother Mary, too, and Jesus, of course, you know, they, all three of the Holy Family have so many uh, amazing uh, lessons for each and every one of us. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the book is including uh, a dedication to your grandchildren. Um, talk to me about the, the role that grandparents have in sharing the faith with their grandchildren. Right, because I wanted to write this this book not only just, you know, to help tell the Christmas story and tell the, you know, the Advent season, tell about that and getting ready. I wanted it to also highlight the relationship between grandparents and their grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And specifically in this book, I, um, I'm highlighting the grandmother relationship and because I guess I'm a grandmother, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but I do see it as a very, very important and beautiful relationship because, you know, grandparents are kind of like, in a sense, they're like the keepers of the faith, and they're the sharers of the faith. I think my own grandmother set such a lively prayer example for me, and it's really stayed with me my whole life, and I think that the grandparents can set the tone. They can tell the stories. You know, they can be there with, um, even if they're living far away, you know, through technology or through uh, whatever way they can be there, you know, be present to their grandchildren by helping in whatever way they can to guide them, to encourage them, mm-hmm. you know, to always provide the truth. And that is going to help guide them to heaven. So it's such a blessing to not only have our parents growing up, but to be gifted, you know, with grandparents. Even Jesus had grandparents, St. Anne and St. Joachim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is a funny funny bit of his humanity that I think a lot of people don't even think about, don't remember. Yeah. Um, now, there's, I think there's something in the modern, we become impatient with repetition. We think you've got to have something new all the time, and yet here we have the annual festival of Christmas, which Christians love for one reason, and the modern world loves for perhaps less, less um, blessed reasons, but still... There is this sort of unanimity in Christmas is a good thing. Uh, why is it so important to tell the Christmas story again and again to our children and our grandchildren? Yeah, well, I think, you know, we have the culture, mm-hmm. um, which I don't want to sound all doom and gloom, because there's there are many good things in the culture, too, but the mm-hmm. darkened culture, you know, is, is bombardment to the family and to kids and the advertising industry kind of drowns out the good and mm-hmm. important messages, you know, the truth, and at, especially before the holidays, especially like I guess even before Halloween, you start 
getting all this bombardment by the advertising industry. And it can, you know, really drown out. Um, it can keep us so busy. We can get caught up in the noise of the culture and too much busyness that we fail to pause and to pray and to get our hearts prepared for Jesus. So we need to tell the Christmas story again and again because it is the truth and it is so important to our spiritual path in life. So I really believe we must share it with the children ever everywhere to share the story it never gets old and it's 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 so um important for us to to recall and our holy mother church of course wants us to you know we have our liturgical calendar and our seasons and we know how important it is to um this christmas what would we do like i said before without jesus jesus mary and joseph so repetition reminders that's so important especially kids Mm -hmm. growing up and it's for it's to teach, and it's also to um, prevent them from getting so caught up with all the stuff that's constantly coming at them that it's hard. It's hard for even a person who is trying their best to stay the course and to prepare their hearts for Christmas and to really get into the Advent season and getting ready for Christmas. Even those people have a tough time because there's just they're pulled in so many directions. So as the adults we can help the children to navigate and to keep them on task, to keep reminding them, to keep praying for them and to, you know, help them to slow down mm-hmm. a little bit, to pause and to, you know, to ponder the, the Christmas story. Yep. That word ponder, I want to kind of focus on because that was so much at the heart of Our Lady's own spirituality, according to Scripture, that she pondered in her heart. Why is yeah. memory so important in our Catholic faith? And so many of the devotions are tied to bringing to mind, meditating on, remembering these saving mysteries of the past. Right. And um, and like the kids, you know, with the short attention spans and mm-hmm. the adults with the short, uh, the short attention spans, yeah. that memory is really important. And it's even hard for adults, like I said. Um, and... I think that it's important to teach the kids to carve out the time to sit still, to mm-hmm. carve out the time to be with family, and to unplug from unnecessary technology, to to actually hear ourselves think, right? Mm-hmm. To actually hear God whisper to our hearts and souls. And plus, you know, of course, we need to teach the basics of the faith and traditions and devotions, or else they would get drowned out or maybe canceled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to say that. Um it, but uh, I'm trying to think what I was just going to... Oh, yes, about technology. You know, we the kids are growing up with so much at their fingertips, and it's very hard for parents to say no to... Uh, they get a lot of pressure, and I don't even want to get into the subject of cell phones too early for kids because I'm totally against that. I think it opens them to the world, of, uh, the world outside without supervision. You know, it's very, very dangerous, and we have to prayerfully discern what the right time is if if there is when they will get a phone but to uh once they get these kinds of things whatever the device is games whatever they have to know that you can't always be attached to that so we have to teach them how to unplug from it you know to Mm -hmm. have these times of quiet these family times gather for prayer uh times to just stop everything and just you know enjoy nature enjoy being together enjoy a dinner together of course not have any of these devices at the dinner table <laughs> they have to be put in a basket or put in your room or whatever if you have these things 
even the parents. Um, but so we need to teach them to, to sit still, to unplug, to be together, to actually um, enjoy each other. We can be a, pr- a prayerful people. You know, we can lead vibrant lives of faith. And, and I believe our light will shine to inspire others. But it does require time and effort and prayer, lots of love, patience, and practicing the virtues, basically, which are following, you know, we need to follow God's commandments and not mm-hmm. get sucked up into the temptations of the world that are orchestrated by the evil one to get us off the path to eternal life. Mm-hmm. So we move forward in faith and hope and love, and then we pass it down to the children and the grandchildren and all, and all the people we meet even. Mm-hmm. And I believe God provides the opportunities so that we can, you know, um, do our part, right? We need to to open our hearts and to stay vigilant, too, so that yeah. we can, you know, stay the course, right? Yeah. Well, and, and just so much of human life depends upon education and handing on, uh, I mean, childhood is this process of, of learning the memory, really, of, of receiving the memory handed on from previous generations. Because um, how could how could we have you know, a full good human life without that? That's why the church has always had such a focus on catechesis and education, secular and religious. And and, it, and it's just so interesting how how much of her own liturgical life and her own spiritual life is connected to memory. Yes, that's an important point, Chris. That's true. That's true. We. And the way we can um, kind of help build upon that is to is to take the time, take the time, and mm-hmm. and learn and teach and yeah. and memorize memorize these beautiful prayers and the rosary and the stations of the cross and various devotions and um, mm-hmm. and that's only going to help us, you know, it's only going to help us. Yeah, and consciously become part of not just people who remember, but people who share that memory with others. We can't assume that if if we don't share it, that someone else is going to. I mean, right? Why would we assume that, especially when it comes to our faith these days? Exactly. You can use so many opportunities. The littlest opportunity, the littlest uh, thing, can uh, can turn into uh, such a teachable moment, mm-hmm. um, especially with kids. You know, I, I like to to always get God into the and the adults always get God into the conversation somehow or prayer and mm-hmm. without without pushing it on anyone, but just, uh, I always tell people not to be afraid of sharing your faith. I mean, I know we live in troubled times, and I know there's a lot of persecution for the faith, and it is a scary world in a lot of ways, Um, but we need to pray for courage and pray to do what we're supposed to do. Our job might be, like, say, St. Therese. She never left the convent, but she was an amazing intercessor and a missionary. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so... You know, or our job might be uh, out and about uh, in the community or teaching or whatever it is, and, and yeah. we might have more opportunity to to reach different different people face to face, and also more chance of something happening to us for sharing our faith. But God gives us the grace we need to yeah. to go forth, and, and it doesn't have to be a, a you know, it could be a very simple. Um, very simple seed of faith that we help to plant in someone's heart. Um, and I've seen it so many times in my own life, and I'm pretty amazed at God working so powerfully 
um, I'm just so thankful to God. I often drop to my knees after something happened and just thanksgiving to God because it's pretty overwhelming and, and amazing. And if we didn't stop to to um, push a little beyond what was comfortable at that moment to say something or show a gesture of love, if we didn't do that in that mm-hmm. moment, we, we lost that opportunity. And, and like you said, we don't know if somebody else is going to come along and so we pray and we trust God and we move our will and we yeah. pray for the, the courage to do so because God works amazing miracles, amazing. Yeah. I think one of the keys is just if, if we experience our faith as a gift rather than an imposition, then when we share it with other people, it'll be received as a gift rather than us trying to force something on them or, or give them, you know, burden them with rules or something like that. If yeah. we know that yeah. Jesus is a gift, then we can share the gift. Yes, absolutely. And it could be in the simplest, simple, very simple ways. And even um, maybe I'll just share a quick little experience or not. Do we have? Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. Oh, okay. So, you know, um, this came to my mind recently. Um, because I was speaking with a, a young, a young, um, well, 11th grader recently on the phone who was having mm-hmm. some struggles with her faith, and she wanted to talk, and we were on the phone for over three hours. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was going to say to help her, but I prayed and and just let God love through me, and and so in talking, in any way, that ended up being amazing. But in talking with her, I was reminded of a mean girl's experience that I had when I was younger. Hmm. And um, anyway, I was able to share it with this this girl I spoke with recently, um, and it helped her because she just experienced something like that, and it was terrible. Um, she was in a uh, uh, the girls from at school, and this the popular girls saw her mm-hmm. and said "ew," said "ew" like that, and just made her feel terrible. But she she actually um, she's a Christian, and she. She actually thought, oh, it's just a shame that they have to be like that to feel better or something. She's Mm -hmm. very mature, very mature, but there are a lot of people who go through a lot of things. And when I was younger, something happened to me um, with some mean girls, and I don't have to get into the details. I I did put it in one of my um, Divine Mercy in a Women's Life, I believe. You Mm -hmm. probably remember about uh, how they were mean, but amazing thing happened. I don't know if I told you this part, but... um, like maybe 40 years after that, or however many years it was, mm-hmm. I got an email uh, from someone, and she was sharing an article because she saw some of the things I shared on Facebook, and she said, you might like this. And I was trying to figure out what her name was. Um, I didn't know who she was because of her last name. And then I read further in her email and realized this was one of the mean girls. Hmm. And so the thing was that she said to me, which I couldn't believe, and I got down on my knees and thanked God, she said to me that um, she said something like, your smiles to me in the hallways, uh, in you know, this was like junior high, um, were my saving grace, because mm. I, people thought I was stuck up, but, but honestly, I was desperately shy. I was so shy. She was like, so shy she could barely stand it but nobody knew that because she was the most beautiful girl we all we knew she was so beautiful but because of her uh, so the point I'm trying to make is we don't know what someone's going through we don't know how they're hurting inside 
and this and I didn't even realize I smiled at her so much and she told me that that was what got her through and so I got on my knees and I said to her, I thank Jesus wow thank mm-hmm. you for when I was younger to to, to teach me <laughs> to be honest and open and loving and smile because yeah. that helped her and I didn't even know it. and the um, ironic thing is that was one of the ones who zoomed up on me and so I think it was her way of sort of you know, mm-hmm. getting in touch all these years later. But my point is that God works amazing miracles. We never know when it's going to happen. We, Absolutely. You know, and, and, uh, and he touches hearts in profound ways. Mm-hmm. And, and like Mother Teresa said so often, a simple smile can transform someone's heart. And I was, I was preaching about that a few times uh, recently, and um, I had no idea you know, that this happened and that actually involved me. So it was mm-hmm. pretty amazing to find out from when I was younger, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I suppose then the concluding thought can be that the most powerful means we have of sharing God mm-hmm. is these little acts of love, is yeah. to to love as he loves. And that does more than almost anything else. Yes, I like that. Uh, I think to be real, to never yeah. be phony. You know, kids see through through that. Everybody sees through that. Remaining prayerful, first of all, and attentive mm-hmm. to opportunities. You know, yeah. to lovingly, lovingly evangelize. All these ways are, you know, yeah. are ways to evangelize. Even a little conversation with a man on an airplane one time when he wondered how I reached out to a perfect stranger. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, well, I guess I think God put a lot of love in my heart. I like yeah. to help people. And I said, God, you know, I got God in there in the conversation and the man cried. And yeah. so, you know, they're not, some people aren't used to, you know, expressions of love with a stranger or yep. caring, caring for someone. So we think by God's grace, we're helping that person. We're hoping to, but we mm-hmm. don't even know at the time that other people are being helped as well. So I think that's pretty, pretty amazing, pretty powerful. So to be attentive, mm-hmm. to be prayerful, and to always be real. You know, we're not trying to be someone else. We are who God made us and who He calls us to be through prayer and, and through, you know, learning from Him, learning from the Holy Family, you know, to be what, what He who He calls us to be. So like you said, to these little these little things and for my own family, um, setting that steady prayerful example, mm-hmm. you know, I think that makes an impact because they know, you know, they know I'm a prayerful um you know, person can see that in me and hear it from me, and they see also the tangible signs of faith, like yeah. in my home, statues, icons, pictures, and such. So I think as parents and grandparents and, and anyone can incorporate stories mm-hmm. into ordinary circumstances, yeah. you know, to create with, with God with His grace, right? Powerful, uh, teachable moments, you know, yeah. so many so many things that we could talk about. But yeah, well, and one crucial little... way, of course, is reading them this book. Yeah, that's right. I think so, because it gives them mm-hmm. the Advent season, it gives them the Christmas yeah. season, it talks about family, uh, and, uh, you know, and then, yep, I hope so. I hope people um, will get get a copy of this book and, and, yep. and love it. Absolutely. It's a great gift, Donna Marie. I've been talking today with Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle, author of Christmas Joy with Grandma. Thanks so much for being with us, Donna Marie. Oh, thank you so much, Chris. God bless you and your work. To order Christmas Joy with Grandma by Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle, please visit shopmercy.org. This has been Sparks of Mercy. Thanks for listening. 
Pray for me, I'll pray for you. Jesus, I trust in you. I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Thank you.